So here at Crosspoint, we don't do a whole lot of special Sunday type sermons. We typically have this value of um, exposing and explaining God's Word and just working through a book and just plotting through that regardless of holidays and things like that. But it's kind of become a tradition that after our students go to Launchbox, we take a, a Sunday to hear from them, to celebrate what they've done, um, what God has done through them rather, and also highlight a couple other things that our church is doing and just kind of recast the vision for what kind of a church we want to be as it relates to God's mission. And so there's two things I hope to accomplish through Zechariah, going back to Zechariah chapter 2 this Sunday. One is just to kind of inform you guys a little bit about what our church is doing um, as far as mission and also to reinstill, remind us of that value, just instill the idea that our church is to be about God's global mission. That's been part of our our vision from day one, as we believe it's a, a biblical model for churches. So um, that's interesting about the book of Zechariah is that this idea of God desiring all nations to worship him is hinted at multiple times. Um, you may have remembered a few times where we read verses about that, but because of the pace with which we're moving through Zechariah, taking a whole chapter each week, um, those couple verses about God's heart for all nations are um, usually mentioned in those sermons, but we haven't really drilled down into that idea. So I'm actually going to back up to Zechariah chapter 2 and kind of double-click on a text um, that was just part of a bigger sermon several weeks ago. So Zechariah chapter 2, verse 1. I'll give you a second to turn there. Zechariah 2, 1. And I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Then I said, Where are you going? And he said to me, To measure Jerusalem and to see what is its width and what is its length. And behold, the angel who talked with me came forward, and another angel came forward to meet him and said to him, Run, say to that young man, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls, because of the multitude of people and livestock in it. So I know we've mentioned this several times. You've been with us as we've walked through the book of Zechariah, but let's just remember the context here, right? So God's people had been taken exile. Their city of Jerusalem, along with their temple, had been destroyed. It had laid in ruins for 70 years while they were in exile in Babylon. And then by God's providence, um, the guy who was overseeing them at the time, the, their ruler, allowed them to come back and rebuild their city, and rebuild their temple. So remember that they started doing that, and they had the foundation of the temple laid, but the city and the temple is pretty much still just a pile of rocks, right? There's just not a lot going for it at this point. And Zechariah comes in to encourage them to begin rebuilding, to continue rebuilding this temple. And so you've got this guy who, this vision, this guy who's got a measuring line, and I don't know what that looks like. I imagine just kind of like a spool, you know, of like 
I guess they didn't have yarn back then. I don't know what it was. He had something kind of rolled up at his hip, right? And he's, he, this guy's thinking, like, if we're going to rebuild this city, we need to know what kind of supplies we need. We need to figure out a plan for this thing. So he's going to probably, what he's doing is measuring the wall where this city used to be, thinking they're going to rebuild based on those dimensions. So he's got this measuring line, and he's going, I don't know if he's like, you know, how that works, like a line that's on a guy's in the guy's hands to measure a whole scene. He's like dragging it out and then like, you know, trying to flip it over. I don't know what the guy's doing, but somehow he's got this line and he's going to measure the whole city, right? Um, And then this angel basically says, no, 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 go tell that guy Jerusalem is going to explode beyond the walls of the old city. Like what God is going to do in Jerusalem, how he's going to rebuild this city, the work he's going to do through you, it goes beyond anything that can be measured with a guy with a spool of rope. It's much, much bigger than that. And it's interesting because this guy's, this guy's the optimist, right? I mean, you got to figure most of the people there were overwhelmed, right? The task was daunting. The task probably seemed impossible. They still had, um, they were still under the captivity of another nation. They weren't a free people. They'd just been allowed to come and rebuild There was all this opposition from their neighbors. The thing had stalled out. It looked like it just wasn't going to get done. And here you've got this guy running around with a rope trying to take measurements, right? He was was the optimist. He was the one that had high hopes for this place. But then this angel comes in and goes, no, no, no. This is going to be way bigger and way beyond even what that guy is thinking. And so you remember that in Zechariah, a lot of the prophecies have an immediate meeting, but also a long-term kind of foreshadowing of something that's to come. And that's very applicable in this instance because what we see is that 100, 200 years later, that would indeed happen that the city of Jerusalem would be restored and would be rebuilt um, to a level just right then in the immediate future that was very significant. But you also see kind of a a foreshadowing of like what God is starting to do here is going to be way bigger than anything that could be contained within the walls of a city. And that, that prophecy is really about the church. That the church is described here as a city without walls. And what we see in this book is that Zechariah is given a vision that goes beyond anything they're thinking at the time, that God is doing something way, way bigger in talking about the church. Because what would happen several hundred years after this is God would send Jesus as a man to earth. Jesus would die, and then Jesus would be resurrected, and he would begin this work known as the church. It would start small with a few group of disciples, with a group of a very few number of disciples. It would begin to grow and grow beyond the city of Jerusalem. And that church would be that. It would be a a society, if you will, that transcended any city or walls that anyone could try to confine it to. Um, and it's important for us to remember that. It's a good reminder, right? I, I don't know. I don't see Jimothy. Is Jimothy in here this morning? If he is, I don't see him. Okay. Jimothy is a guy that leads our load-in team. He's the one that makes sure that there's guys up here every week to set all the chairs up, tear all the chairs down, set up the children's ministry pretty significant role in our church leading that team. And a few weeks ago, um, we, we met as elders and deacons to talk about 
building and what we're thinking about the future of the church, looking at buying land or buying an existing building and finding a, a permanent physical home for Crosspoint. And Jimothy pulled me aside after the meeting and he goes, Kai, I just want you to make me one promise, man. And I'm like, and you... He sounded kind of like there was a warning there, you know. And I'm like, well, man, if of all the people that should be excited about this, it should be you, right? The chairs just get to stay there. The children's rooms are like children's rooms the rest of the week, too. We don't have to build a thing and tear it down every single week. Like, what are, what are you worried about? And he said, ma'am, just make me a promise that we won't ever refer to this thing as us building a church. He said, we are the church. We may build a building but the people are the church. So let's just not ever use that language. When, we get, when it comes time and we're breaking ground and all that, let's not ever say that we're building a church because that's not what that building is. It's just a house for us to worship in. The church is the people. And I thought, man, what a great, what a great reminder for us, right, as we look forward and as we think about those things to always keep in mind that while a building may be important and it may be a huge blessing that that building is not the church, that the church transcends any set of walls that could be built. And so the, I was reading this commentary. Um, this guy named Richard Phillips wrote, wrote a really good commentary in the book of Zechariah, and he's talking about this, this idea that when Zechariah prophesied this, that, the, that Jerusalem would, be, would just explode beyond the, the walls, that God was going to do something in Jerusalem that would just go way beyond the walls of the city. Um, and he draws out the idea that that's exactly what happened upon the institution of the church. So look at this quote with me. It says this, Think of the age of the apostles. Jesus sent them first to preach in Jerusalem, but he directed them to go outward from there, to be his witnesses in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is exactly what happened. The book of Acts records the expansion of the gospel out from the Jews, to the God-fearing Gentiles, and then to the Samaritans, and finally to the pagan Gentiles, and across the ancient world to Rome itself. So again, imagine this guy with the measuring line and this vision, this angel, because he goes, no, 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 that you're not thinking big enough. God is going to do something way bigger than that. What you're thinking about this city and walls is, is so much smaller compared to what God is actually wanting to do. I think if we're not careful, we might, we might be in need of that same warning as we start talking about as a church. If we start setting our sights and our vision upon this building that we want to build, right? And that kind of becomes the pinnacle of all our aspirations and dreams of a church is having these walls built so that we can have a place to worship. And meanwhile, God is saying, no, 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 I want to do something way bigger through Crosspoint Community Church than of structure that exists in Rockwall, Roy City, Fate, Heath. We've talked about that a lot recently as, as leaders. As we're talking about like how much land do we need, right? And we, we found a, a piece that was eight acres recently. And we were like, man, maybe we should put an LOI in on that. But then we found, you know, another piece where it was actually 15 acres. Like, man, we're not thinking big enough, we, you know, based on how many people are coming now and how many people might come once we have a building. We got we to gotta think bigger. We got to think bigger. Who knows what God wants to do through us, right? And so we actually did put an LOI in on 15 acres recently. So I'm not going to go into more detail than that, but um, hopefully that'll work out. We'll see. We'll trust God with it. But it's, it's dominated a lot of our 
a lot of our thoughts lately, those of us who are in leadership and in on those discussions, and this passage just kind of hit me of like, man, if that's as big as, if we're thinking that's the big thing, right, is how much land we can buy, how big of a building we can make, we're thinking really, really small in terms of what God wants to do through our church. And it's not unique to Crosspoint Community Church. I don't claim that we have received some special, unique calling from God to be a global church. God wants to do that through his church, capital C, right, period. His plan is for his church to reach every tribe and tongue with the gospel. And he wants to use our church, along with every other church, to play a part in this global scheme, this global agenda that transcends the region of Rockwall, Fate, Wiley, Royce City, North Texas. That's why as a church we, we celebrate these things. Right now we've got Justin Brody. And I don't know if you guys know him. We've had him up here a few times. He's actually in Colorado right now meeting with three other churches trying to get support for the church he hopes to plant um, up there in Colorado. It's why we sent Jack and Haley and, and, and helped send Hunter Alicia to live in the Middle East to take the gospel to a place where the church is weak or non-existent. Richard Phillips goes on on that quote, and he continues to say this. He says, This vision forcefully confronts us if we are pessimistic about the success of the gospel. It's easy to look at a, a map of the world and think about all the places where the church is weak or non-existent. And kind of like the, a lot of people in Jerusalem think, man, there's no way this is ever going to happen. There's no way this is ever going to finish. But look how surprised they were at what God would do. God would do something in Jerusalem way bigger than they could have imagined. In church, it's upon us to believe and hold on to the promise that God will use the church to take the gospel and claim worshipers from every tribe and tongue on the planet. So the church is a city without walls, and the vision of the church must be global. Our vision as a church, our plans for the next few years cannot be limited to what's going on right here around us in the greater Rockwall area, but must include how God wants to use us to take the gospel to all nations. It's funny how that the more special something is, the more, the more we feel it appropriate and necessary to celebrate that thing, right? Think about, think about wedding anniversaries. Um, a lot of you guys in here are married. You know, like your second or third wedding, wedding anniversary, it's, by the third one or so, it's just not that big of a deal, right? I mean, you, it's just the third year, right? You may, you may go out to dinner if you're lucky, right? Um, may go see a movie, some, you know, something like that. Nothing like, you're not going to throw like some huge party. But I remember when my grandparents had their 50th wedding anniversary, and they had it in their backyard, and it was really, really special. Um, and my aunt made sure of that. Um, she, she had us um, cleaning that place like, like it was an event venue. So they had a couple trees in the backyard. And I, I vividly remember my cousin, Kevin, and I out there with a broom and a dustpan sweeping up leaves because there would not be a leaf on the ground for this thing, right? They, they hung lights. They, 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 they wore like wedding attire. They were renewing their vows. And because it was, it was the 50th anniversary, right, it's a big deal. Like there needed to be a celebration like fitting and worthy of the occasion. Just to share another uh, example, um, I want to I show you a, a quick video of uh, 
a thing of people who have birthdays on a specific type of year, and I want you to watch and see if you can see if you can pick out a, a Crosspoint member in this video. Well, as a leap year baby, everybody forgets your birthday except once every four years. I am 14 years old. <laughs> a lot of people will like forget your birthday and stuff like that, but man, I just want to say thank you, Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut is celebrating my birthday this year. I'm sure a few of you guys saw it, but probably most of you didn't. Um, my son is actually in that video, Jackson. He was born on February 29th, uh, 2012. And uh, they were shooting that commercial right around the term. He was fourth birthday, so he's technically turning one, right? Because he normally doesn't have a, a real birthday. And so uh, they were, they, uh, some friends of ours worked for an advertising agency and said Pizza Hut was making this commercial. And they were just trying to find anyone who had leap your birthdays because it's pretty rare. And in fact, it's so rare, it's like kind of a kind of a coveted thing. And Jackson was actually born at 11.48 p.m. And I remember at 11.45, I was like, babe, you got to speed this thing up, right? Like, not many people get a chance to do this. I'm just, I'm obviously kidding. I would never say that to my wife. I, that's what I said to the doctor. Um, so, I, uh, <laughs> So yeah, but Jackson, like, you know, when he has, by the way, they're not here today, so I can embarrass them all I want. Normally I try not to embarrass them, but since they're gone, hey, who cares, right? So Jackson is, uh, you know, he's a special kid. He's got a birthday on February 29th. And so, you know, on like a normal year, like if he's turning like three or something like that, he's February 28th, March 1st, it's, you know, so we just don't do anything. Um, no, I'm kidding. We obviously still do something, um, but we don't. We do something pretty small, right? But so every every fourth year, when he has like what we call a real birthday, and there's a February 29th, we do something special, you know, because it's like, hey, it's this is a special event. It's a special thing. He normally doesn't even know when to celebrate his birthday, so we need to do something that's that's worthy and fitting of how special the occasion and the person is. And to, for us to just kind of just have some friends over and eat cake. That might be fitting and appropriate, and that might be a big enough thing for any other year. But if we were to just to say on one of his, he kind of knows how it works now, right? So on a, on a leap year birthday, if we were to say, hey, we're just going to have some friends over and eat cake, he'd be like, no, 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 that's too small. Like, this is my real birthday. Like, we need to do something a little better than that. Look with me at Isaiah 49.6 in regards to us thinking too small about what God wants to do. It says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. So again, guys, the, what's going on in Jerusalem at that time is they're thinking that God's going to restore this thing. God's going to bring us back to the place we were. He's going to use us to do something big. He's going to rebuild this city. And God is saying, no, no, no. That You're thinking too small. It's too small a thing. And church, the same is true for us. Like, If the apex of our vision for our church revolves around four walls and a roof, that is too small a thing. It's too small a thing for what the gospel demands. Because of the 
what God has done, the great, amazing thing he has done in, in the gospel by sending Jesus to become one of us, to bear our sins, to take the punishment for our sin and restore us back to him. Any, any sort of celebration short of global, worldwide recognition for how great Jesus is, is too small a thing. God wants us to be bigger than that. God wants to receive the glory due his name because of the great thing he has done in the cross. So while having a building is great and exciting and it is something we should be looking forward to and it is something we, we will celebrate, I just want to take advantage of this passage of today's text to, to give us a, a warning there too to not make the, the hope and, and the center of all our dreams for our church to be built on that thing because it's too small a thing when God wants to use us to take the gospel to every tribe and tongue. Not single-handedly, obviously, but he wants us as part of the, the global church to play a part in that great work that he is doing. You guys, please pray with me. God, I pray that we would do that. I pray that we would just remember um, that you are a global God, that your, your plans and aspirations for your church and how you want to use us is, is so far beyond any structure we could build or any, any region we could identify as our target area, um, but that you want to use us to take your gospel to all nations. Um, and I pray that we would be faithful to that. I pray that we would... Um, Regardless of what our role is in that, God, that we would, be, we would be praying for the folks we've sent. We'd be praying for and staying connected to Justin Brody and uh, the Womacks and the Canes. And just that would be on our minds and on our hearts in terms of our church and who we are and what we're about. God, would you instill that value in us so that we could have the joy of being a part of this great work that you're doing, bringing all nations to yourself. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.